deep in the heart of Central Texas, it's the Best of the Outdoors podcast. Brought to you by Texas Fish and Game Magazine, the voice of the Texas outdoor nation. I'm your humble host, Dustin Von Warnke, and man, am I excited that you have taken the opportunity to download the show, stream it online, stream it on Facebook, stream it on YouTube, wherever you found us, however you found us. Thank you so much for listening. It means the world to us, man. You guys are awesome. Without you listeners, we would not have a podcast. So I want to thank you so much again for uh, for tuning in and checking us out and uh, seeing what we have to offer today. So this podcast is going to be a dive into something different that I've not done before, and that's going to be public land hunting because it's in the off season. There's time for squirrels and, and rabbits and small game like that. There's time for hogs and a lot of off-season pursuits like that um, with all the seasons kind of ru- winding down, if you will. Um, but I basically just wanted to have Trevor, Brian, and Jeremy Beeston on the podcast this week because they are hosts of the Cast Blast Grill Chill Podcast. And I think about them often when I grill and chill and I listen to their show on a regular basis. And they've got a great podcast, just two guys, very authentic, very genuine, talking about the hunting and fishing lifestyle and um, just everything that has to do with public land hunting. And uh, I've, I've really honored them for a while for doing that because they tell the good, the bad, and the ugly on their show about, you know, other hunters setting on top of them or, um, you know, encountering other hunters that aren't very happy, you know, that they're, they're in their spot and that kind of stuff. I mean, they just do a really good job of, of working things out and um, making new friends and, um, and just really, you know, representing the outdoors well. So wanted to definitely have them on. So we're doing another three-way call like I did with Nag and Prowler a few episodes ago. And um, boy, this is fun. So I uh, really enjoy having these guys on and I look forward to being on their show one of these days too. So here's my interview with Mr. Trevor Bryan and Jeremy Beeston from the Cast Blast Grill Chill Podcast. Here we go. So joining me on the phone is Mr. Trevor Bryan and Jeremy Beeston. How are you guys doing this morning, or this afternoon, this evening, I should say? <laughs> I'm doing good. Good. Real good. Both of you guys are on. That's great. It's great to have you guys on the show. So you guys host the Cast Blast Grill Chill Podcast, and I became a listener of that show, I want to say about three or four months ago when you guys first launched it. I noticed you guys post on social media like I do, and I just got intrigued by the show because you all cover public land hunting quite a bit, and I kind of thought that's an interesting topic, so I wanted to have you guys on the show. Um, Trevor, tell me, or no, Jeremy, you first. Tell me a little bit about your background. Uh, well, I'm 36 years old, uh, self-taught public land hunter. Um, didn't really have anybody teach me how to hunt growing up. Didn't really have a lot of places to go. Um, fish from the time I was old enough to walk um, <laughs> and was always interested in hunting, but never really had an end. Um, by the time I got into high school, I had some buddies and stuff, and they you know, took me out to their place dove hunting and stuff like that, but that was really the only opportunity I had really to go hunting. So I got to digging around on the internet and asking around. And I figured out that for $48, you could buy your annual hunting permit. And it opened up a whole bunch of land, you know, to everything from doves, turkey, whitetail, et cetera, and proceeded to kind of dive in head first from there, started out hunting doves and on public and have expanded out now to hunt just about everything that, you know, not a draw tag in Texas with the exception of Turkey, which I'm planning on fixing this year. Cool. No, All great. on public. All on public land. And that's why I wanted to have you guys on because that's something we haven't covered much. I, my only experience with public land is government land. When I first started hunting, um, as an adult in, um, 
here in Central Texas, I used to go up to Fort Hood. I mean, I would pound that pavement every week, every weekend to get up there between my job duties and and uh, and hustle. And it was it was rough. But I mean, you guys aren't afraid on your podcast to talk about, you know, the good, the bad and the indifferent. You know, it's it's kind of cool to listen to you guys. Trevor, tell me a little bit about you. Well, uh, I want to start out by saying that Jeremy and I are cousins. So oh, we, cousins. Uh, we grew okay. up fishing together. Cool. Yeah, we grew up fishing together. And uh, like he said, fishing since the time we could both walk. And he's a little bit older than I am. So, uh, you know, he taught me a few things along the way. And um, yeah, when we started the podcast, you know, we were already hunting public. And I, I think that that just makes us, you know, a little bit a little bit stronger of a hunter, but it, it sets us back in some other points, but I'm sure we'll talk about most of that, you know, the good, the bad and the ugly, like you said. Sure. And that's what I appreciate about y'all show is it's just a conversation between two dudes that are just talking about enjoying the outdoors. And the other day I was grilling and chilling and I thought about you guys, you know, so y'all appear in my <laughs> mind quite frequently because I'm like, man, those guys are really, you know, your show is real authentic is what I'm trying to say. And I always tell podcasters that I'm, I'm starting out with that, you know, that I'm mentoring that, you know, that's what you really have to have is an authentic message of just, you know, being a down to earth kind of guy. And that's what you guys both are. That's what I honor about both of y'all. Yeah, exactly. That's kind of where the idea from our podcast came because me and Trevor both used to, you know, both drive trucks, you know, for our jobs pretty much all day. And, you know, to kill time in between stops, we'd call and talk hunting. And I was like, why don't we start recording this? You know, it's <laughs> campfire conversation. And, you know, we can record these conversations because I feel like, you know, there's not really anything that's talking, you know, Texas hunting in a campfire, you know, kind of manner. No, that makes sense. And I mean, that's what I've really enjoyed about y'all's show. And I listen to just about every episode I can. I'm behind on my podcast listening right now because I haven't had a lot of road trip and a lot of windshield time, but I plan to get caught up here pretty soon. And you guys have some great things happening with your show right now. Why don't y'all tell us something about that? Well, we just did a uh, we just started a collaboration with a group called East Texas Hunting Club. They're actually a Facebook page. So yes. that's kind of our our newest announcement and it's a great group of guys. I'll give them a little plug here and just say that, you know, anybody that goes to East Texas to hunt or is thinking about going to East Texas to hunt, they're they're gonna accept you with open arms and you know, there's there's such knowledgeable guys that uh, you know, they'll they'll get on there and uh, answer any questions that you have and so that was cool. To, to be able to work with Josh on that and, you know, just kind of open open the doorway between the two on Facebook and, you know, give it give them a voice of sorts. And, uh, you know, they have so many people that are taxidermists, running dogs, stuff like that, that, right. you know, we'd, we'd love to talk to and, uh, you know, just kind of get the word out, you know, people that work it and live it every day. And, sure. uh, yeah. And that's the one thing I've liked, both of you guys. I mean, this is my second three-way call that I've done on a podcast. But the one thing I, I like about... The, just the, the, the cast blast girl chill mindset is that it's about the lifestyle. It's not just about going and killing and catching and everything. And, um, you know, I, I added an article for Jeremy not long ago for, um, you know, about, about you know, chasing a limit, you know, and it's not all about that. It's about the outdoor lifestyle. It's about conservation. It's about, you know, getting youth involved. I mean, there's so many different aspects to it. Don't y'all agree? Completely. At 100%. Yeah, so um, that's great. And so I wanted to just dive into public land hunting in Texas. Obviously, you need the annual public hunting permit, which is, what, $49? Am I right about that, guys? Yeah, I think it's $48. $48. $48. Okay, $48. Okay, cool. And that comes with a... Um, 
a regulations booklet and just kind of a booklet that gets you started with your basic hunting land opportunities. Uh, some of the land I understand is leased land by the state, and then some of the land is just you know WMAs, public land, that kind of stuff. Uh, would y'all like to go into detail about that? Yeah, I'll go yeah. a little bit into uh, into what TPWD actually has on their website. Sure. If you if you look up hunting lands on there, mm-hmm. uh, under the under the annual hunting permit, they actually disclose it as um, lease from private land. Okay, that's what I meant to say. Um, yeah, yeah, no, and you said it correctly. Uh, and you know, but they do include in the booklet that you give that you mentioned as well. Um, you know, other WMAs and other other public lands that are also included in there. But on their website, it just does say that it's uh, you know the state is leasing land for private landowners but you know i think that that's an awesome program it benefits the landowner and it also benefits the public to be able to use it for 48 dollars a year and i don't i don't even know how many acres of public land it is but it's quite a few well the nice thing i've said also about texas is that we don't have you know draw system or lottery unless you're in some of the big time public land like the oryx hunts and those kind of big time exotics and and big game hunts that they have that i've put in for the draw for for many years uh over over time but you know the cool thing is that we don't have an elk draw you know we don't you can shoot elk free range in fact uh not really necessarily free range but high fence i um just filmed a hunt that I showed both of you guys, y'all previewed that I just went live with today about a six by six trophy bull elk that we shot on DB Hunting Ranch. So there's a lot of opportunities like that in hunting ranches and places like that. But I mean, the thing a lot of people don't think about is that it's a gold mine for public land opportunities out there, right? Yeah, there's more. There's you know Texas doesn't have a lot percentage wise, right? You know public land, but there's. You know, Texas is a big state, so 3% of public land is a fair amount. And, you know, there's other opportunities out there besides just the $48 annual hunting permit, which opens up the private lease lands and the WMA, you know, what they used to call Type 2. Sure. Um, you know, there's also core land, like you mentioned earlier, Fort Hood. You know, and those are all separate permits and stuff that you have to draw. And the information's out there. You just got to kind of dig down deep enough to figure out where it is and what it is. And there's some incredible opportunities out there to hunt public in Texas if you just do the research and dig it out. Right. Right. No, that's good. And that's solid information I want to share with our listeners because this is something that um, that I think is, is good, especially for guys like me and you guys that are on a budget that don't have a ton of money to spend on a $4,000 elk hunt or anything like that, but want to enjoy the outdoor lifestyle and go after native species and hogs and those kind of things. Um, and you guys talk so candidly about the challenges of public land, but also the the triumphs of public land in you know the Sam Houston National Forest that y'all recently. I forget which one of you recently hunted that. Uh, we both we both hunted every year. Uh, I was recently at the uh, Davy Crockett National. Okay, Forest, okay, and a you bit, you took bit north of Sam Houston. Trevor, you took that uh, muzzleloader doe, right? Am I saying that right? Yes, sir. Okay, that was you. Okay, I, I get you too confused sometimes, so I apologize. Um, but you know that's that that was a really cool story that you talked about as far as the you know the weather and, and everything else going on, but. That's one thing I like. I like about what you guys say on your show is that it's uh, it's the good and the bad and the ugly, and you take it all and you you run with it, you know. And um, and I think that's really cool. You know, that doesn't just have to be on public land. That can be on leased land or anywhere. You know, sure. You're going to have bad days. You're going to have struggles. And you know, I think that's that's why I hunt for the most part is the unknown. And you know, it just makes the goal that much more sweet when you obtain it. 
Super. And you guys mainly hunt Central and East Texas. Is that correct, or y'all go north much? Yeah, it's mostly Central, East Texas, and the Coastal Bend. Coastal uh, Bend, that's what I meant to say, too. Yeah, that's what I meant with East Texas, sorry. (laughs) But, yeah, we also uh, get down on the coast and the bays and, uh, you know, different coastal marshes for ducks. Okay. Uh, During duck season, you know, we're kind of equal opportunity and uh, opportunistic when it comes, you know, to hunting opportunities. You know, being that, you know, I'd say we're probably 95-plus percent, you know, public land hunters right. you know, aside from a few invites we get here and there uh, sure. for the most part you know you know if we see something that, that looks promising you know we got to get our you know boots on the ground canoes in the water kayaks in the water uh boats in the water sure. you know go you know go find it and get after it. you know public land is is you know it's not like a lease where you can put out feeder and you know have the deer come to you you got to go to them so you got to get your boots on the ground and get out there and do your scouting and put it put the whole picture together you know to right. be successful in your hunts no that's good and that's what you know, i wanted uh, to talk about this you know go ahead please go on keep going okay uh you know and that's what a lot of people you know in the west they they get to talking about access for their public lands and you know texas we really don't have an issue with access as much as we just do the amount of public lands that we right, have right and jeremy like you touched on you know three percent is big in texas right it may not be big somewhere else but we don't have a lot of you know little chunks of landlocked you know pri- uh, privately locked public land so our access is relatively good that's a good now, point uh, to make. I mean, that, that, the thing I was going to say is that we're 97% private owned on the other side of that 3%. And, um, and you know, the, the public land's kind of spotty in certain places, but it's still ample and it's still opportunistic, as you were saying. Yeah, absolutely. And, Dustin, when I was, when I was trying to think about, you know, the direction that this was going to go, um, you know, I, I did want to kind of touch on, you know, maybe some of the things that people have heard about public that, may turn them off and may, you know, make them hesitate about it, you know, and the biggest thing that I think most people hear about first is the overcrowding, right? You know, what we do is just, you know, go further, go, go a little bit further away from, from the other people. It's as simple as that, but you know, sometimes you have to deal with some other people and that's okay. That's what your bright orange is for. So they don't, you know, shoot you in the kneecap. Sure. Sure. (laughs) No, I get that. No, um, and, you know, it's it, it can be bad on certain areas, but, you know, it's just something that comes with the public and you'll learn to deal with it. And sometimes it'll anger you, but other times it could work in your advantage. If you go somewhere where the pressure's off and that's the only spot that, let's say, that you're hunting deer and the deer have to go to, then they're going to deer drive it right to you. You know, you just have to work work it in your favor. Sure. Now I get that. And and that all yeah. being said, I was also going to mention that y'all, y'all have told stories on your show about how, you know, you've been set up on top of somebody, you know, or somebody set up on top of you more like more than likely. And, um, and that, that kind of stuff's a common sometimes, isn't it? You just learn to live with it. Yeah. When it comes to being set up on, I mean, it's a, it's an inevitability on public, you know, sure. unless, unless you're just, you know, in a place that's, virtually impossible to get to and like you said you learn to deal with it and you learn to adapt i mean there's some times where you know you just grin and bear it the other thing you can do is i've done it many times is you know especially duck hunting is you know a solo guy or a pair of guys walks in you know rather than trying to fight over the you know the same duck hole invite them to come hunt with you you know you could make a friend out of it you know sometimes they will sometimes they won't there's other times that i've just picked up my stuff and left because it's not worth you know 
getting into an argument and, you know, a fist fight over, you know, a spot to hunt. You know, you right. can pick your stuff up and go, you know, another half mile, another quarter mile. Go find someplace else or, you know, just call it a day and go hit the Whataburger up and go get your, <laughs> your sausage biscuit. And yeah. Yeah, Jeremy, I don't, I don't know if we told the story um, of our, I think it was of the last weekend of duck season, even on our podcast, where we had a group of guys come in and we had already been there, you know, for two hours, got a blind set up, just kind of hanging out, having a good time, uh, you, myself, and my dad. And we had a, a, a couple of guys walk in, we, we hit them with the flashlight, just to let them know that we were there. And then he starts cussing up a storm and, you know, cussing us out and saying, you know, all kinds of profanity. And then he starts, you know, getting mad and walking off. What if they would have been nice, we would have definitely, definitely invited them to come hunt with us sure. because the pond was too small to, you know, have multiple groups. But mm-hmm. yeah, we would have absolutely either invited them to come hunt with us or pointed them in a direction that we knew that there was not another hunter. Right. Plenty of space. Well, yeah. Well, that's a, well, well, yeah. Because I mean, remember that morning, you know, for one of the first times all year, we actually got beat, and I walked over, you know, to go find where that other guy was. And let them know that hey, we're not going to set up on top of you. But we're going to set up over here, and we'll leave a buffer zone in between the two of us. Yep, exactly. And you know, with that knowledge, if if they wouldn't have come in with a bad attitude, it could have been so much better for them because I think they got pushed yeah. out in a real bad spot. And that's another thing about you know getting walked up on. I get angry. I'm guilty of it. But you know, I had another instance this year where I beat somebody to their own spot, and I was set up 20 yards off of their stand. And they came in after I did. Granted, I beat them to it, but I left because they already had a stand. So I had to make that judgment call. So, you know, and I was nice about it. The guy was like, you know, when we met back up at the truck, he's like, hey, thanks for, you know, apologizing when when we crossed paths earlier. You know, that was a real great thing for you to do. I was like, you know, it's just the ethics of it. You got to think sure. through and not make enemies out there. Well, you want to be constructive and all that. I mean, I get that because I, I ran into that one I hunted government land. Um, I dealt one time with, and I've not told this story, I don't think on the show before, but I dealt with the guy that was, a, they have like volunteer guides at, at Fort Hood or back when I hunted there 14 years ago, at least they did. And basically one of the guys was, uh, was very, you know, hasty with everything, very upset about, you know, oh, I shot a, I shot a button buck and I burned one of my buck tags and I really wanted to shoot a doe. I mean, he just had the worst attitude for hunting that there was. And it almost turned me off the sport completely. If I didn't really stick with it and do this outdoor industry thing like i wanted to i don't know if i'd still be 100 today because of him so you never know who you're going to encounter who you're going to turn on or turn off yeah yeah absolutely and you know dustin i'm glad you're here and i'm glad we're we're having this podcast now and i'm glad you're still hunting man because i really enjoy your content no, so, thank you uh i'm thankful that he didn't completely turn you off yeah <laughs> that was that was it was just one of <laughs> yeah. those things where he was he was just a total jerk about about it and you're going to find that in any any place you go any sport you you pursue you know you're going to find guys that are that are kind of the naysayers and that that are not the shining examples that we need but the reason i like y'all so much is that y'all have a um uh the, the whole concept is let's work together on this deal absolutely yeah, I think you have to. yeah yeah because i mean yeah we're losing hunters every year and you know one of the biggest problems you know that that you always hear that people talk about is access and lease prices and this you know, that I don't have any place to hunt anymore, that, oh, you know, when Grandpa died, you know, the farm got split yep. up and sold that off. And this, that, and the yep. other. You know, we basically wanted to put a podcast out there, you know, emphasizing the importance of, you know, public lands and saying, hey, you know, you don't have to have 
a $2,500 a year deer lease yes. and a $2,000 a year duck lease to get out there and, you know, have a good time in the outdoors and, you know, build that outdoor fellowship between, you know, your fellow man, you know, your kids, your neighbors, you know, your neighbor's kids. Um, you know, just, what was it, two weekends ago, Trevor, you know, we took my kids out there to a little bit of public and went out there chasing squirrels. I mean, it doesn't always have to be big game. You know, there's plenty of small game, uh, you know, squirrels, rabbits, um, you know, like hogs. I said, I chase a lot of waterfowl, yeah. hogs, you yeah. know, that's a year-round sport. Right. You know, all the national forests are, you know, open to hog hunting year-round. And, you know, providing you're not in the WMA parts. And Sam Houston is 100% type 2, but like Davy Crockett and the Angelina National Forest, uh, those are, you know, just your hunt license. You can go out there and hunt. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, you don't even have great. to purchase your forty-eight-dollar permit. You can just get on out there and you know hunt year-round. Because those um, are national you know, preserves, not, right? Is that why they're national yes, forests? Okay, that's good to know. Yes, sir. Yeah, that's, that's good to know. And and the one thing, like I talked with Chester Moore, editor in chief, which I know y'all have heard him on my show before. Um, you know, his whole deal is, is he wrote, he's written a bunch of stories about sanctuary hogs, you know, and that, that, that problem of, you know, some of the national forests not allowing harvest of hogs at night and those kind of things. Do y'all have any thoughts on that? Yeah. You know, when it becomes a safety issue, I I feel like there should be guidelines on it. Sure. When it comes to population control. (laughs) You know, there's things that could be there. There's things that could be done with dogs and right. other things. You know, we we could let dogs go at night, and we could run dogs at night. They'll be safe. Yeah, no, and, you know, I know that that I would agree. yeah, and be safe. And you know, there's ways around it. And you know, maybe maybe there's other factors that aren't disclosed at the moment, or that I just don't know about. Yeah, I'm sure there are. No, um, no, I, I'm just kind of throwing it out there because I just think it's one of the well, things that that that's a consideration for sure. And also, you know, a lot of the national forest is actually open to hunting at night. You just have to call the forestry service and call the local game wardens and let them know what you're going to be yep. doing and where you're going to be That doing. you're not spotlighting deer or whatever. Right, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, they don't want to be making, you know, if you call them and say, hey, this is what I'm doing. You know, when they get the call that say Bubba's out there riding around in his pickup truck drinking beer and shooting deer out the window in <laughs> July. Uh, no, you know. Yeah, no, I'm with you, yeah. and I I think it's good, and it's also good. I'm writing a, a new ebook that uh that I kind of teased at the last show, and I've started work on it. And um, you know, one of the things I brought up was having a good relationship with your game warden when you're out there hunting a lot. And I know you, that's huge for you guys too, because you know if something does come up, it's always good to be on his good side. And I had something come up in 2014 when I hunted back in 2009, I think is when I started hunting my urban property and he knew who I was. So he knew I was no threat because I call him and say, Hey, here's what I'm hunting every single year. And, uh, if he ever gets any calls, I mean, he just, he knew he was dealing with a good guy. And I think that that goes with saying with public land too, is have a good relationship if you can with your game warden in that area. I absolutely oh, yeah. agree. And Jeremy is yeah. 100% a game warden magnet. So <laughs> you will be checked. You will be you stopped and checked. <laughs> Jeremy. You will be stopped and checked. I don't think I've been on a hunt with him, but maybe once this year that we haven't seen a game warden. Wow. Yeah, a I'm, game on warden. A first name, I'm on a first name basis with most of the game wardens now. I wouldn't In the state of Texas. never getting checked. Yeah. yeah um, but actually, you know, like you're, like you're saying, you know, being on good terms with a game warden, if you go through my phone, um, you know, I have probably 20 different game wardens, wow. numbers, you know, in my phone, you know, because every time I meet one, 
can I get your card? You know, that way, in the event that I see something going on out there that, you know, looks suspicious to me or I see something that's wrong or or if I just have a question, sure. you know, because that's generally what it boils down to is, hey, I want to go here and hunt this place. Is that okay? Yep. Or, you know, hey, I heard that, you know, this core land is available only by walking. You know, you can't boat into it. Or this place is only boating. You can't walk into it. Right. You know, what's, what's the deal with that? And, Questions. you know, they'll get, you know, they know the laws. They'll, they'll let you know that, hey, you know, that's okay. That happened with the spot that I wanted to go duck hunting. Mm-hmm. Um, this year, I couldn't get anybody at the National Wildlife Refuge to return my call. Really? So I called the game board and was like, "Hey, I was, well, you know, it, you know, I'm making a call, you know, middle of the day on a Friday because I'm making a harebrained plan to go, sure. you know, camp out on a barrier island on the on the edge of a National Wildlife Refuge. I'm going, <laughs> I don't know by the letter of the law if that's right. legal or not. Right. And you know, you know, I made the call early. I think Thursday morning, that guy still hadn't called me back. So I was like, well, I got the game board's number. I called him. He's like, I don't see a problem with it, but you need to call such and such. And he gave me another number instead of the, the general access line, you know, for the wildlife refuge. And I had a call back within probably half an hour. Wow. That's great. That's great. And yeah, I mean, I, it's just I, about doing your homework. I mean, that's what it boils down to. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Absolutely. No, I was going to jump right off of you there and say, you know, that's part of doing your homework and part of knowing your regulations too, when you're hunting public. That's a huge, huge thing. It's not just the state laws. There's special regulations on certain properties, and you do have to stay up to date on all that stuff because it changes from year to year. You know, um, bag limits change from year to year yes. on certain properties. It's not It's not by any means, you know, across the board, all the same rules and regulations. Right. So that 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 is a big part of and takes a big chunk of time, but they give you your cheat sheet every year. They give you your annual hunting permit book if you're going to be hunting you know, what your $48 allows you to hunt. Sure. And so, it's up to you to go then, through that. Yeah. Yeah. And it's up to you to go through it. And like we were just talking about, if you have any questions or something doesn't make sense, or maybe there's a typo somewhere, you know, that stuff happens, call the game warden. They're going to let you know what's going on. <laughs> oh, that's cool. And, you know, and, and one of the other things that, um, you know, I, I have the uh, Texas Parks and Wildlife, you know, outdoor annual app installed on my phone. Yep. I do too. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. And then, but if you actually scroll down to the bottom of it, there's actually a public land. It will bring up the public land in an interactive map. Oh, you cool. Know, I didn't bring know it that. up and look at exactly. And it's, you know, the exact page out of your book that you get, you know, that has all the specific regulations. Cause there was a place me and Trevor wanted to go do a late season rifle doe hunt, uh, where it's been legal, you know, years in the past. But when we went to go check it out this year, uh, they changed the regulations this year to where you couldn't hunt um archery only doe yeah or, hmm. or i don't i think it was i think they just totally closed the doe days on it i don't even remember because as soon as we saw that we're like well we're gonna have to wait till muzzle loader <laughs> well it was a special regulation it was a weird one man and that's what i'm talking about is it was uh it was during archery season only but you can harvest with a fire i'm sorry it was like two weeks after archery open season but you can hunt with a gun in that little period, and it was it was super weird. So there's some weird regulations. So that's cool. I mean, you basically download the app. There's there's uh, there's offshoots from the app that can help you in your public land search. And 
And this is really cool. I knew this was going to be a fun show because, you know, this is this is hunting opportunity. And one of the guys that I that I have had on the show before, Michael Foster, uh, we've talked a lot about small game hunting and squirrel hunting. And during the off season right now, we don't really have in most counties that I'm aware of, we don't really have a, a limit or a uh, season on uh, except for parts of East Texas on uh, squirrel and uh, rabbits and um in a lot of places and that's great off season fun isn't it like y'all were talking about absolutely. earlier absolutely yeah absolutely and like jeremy said we took his kids out last weekend or two weekends ago excuse me and um you know we didn't we didn't shoot a single squirrel that's what we, we were targeting we didn't shoot a single squirrel but we got to take his two kids out in the woods and oh, that's uh, great is your, your kids are 10 and five five yeah 10 and five so i mean they had a blast and uh you know, your son got that his his new twenty gauge, and he got to shoot it a little bit. And your daughter just has a a blast, you know, tromping around through the forest. Sure, so she's she's definitely a daddy's girl, and uh, they they both had a blast. <laughs> I love watching kids have fun in the outdoors, man. I mean, yes, this sir. is just. And I I talked earlier about that elk hunt uh, that I filmed, and I just went live with today. Uh, this will be last week when you guys hear this podcast out there in podcast land. But um, you know, the, the the kiddo that killed the uh, the six by six elk was 16 years old. You know, and just to see the smile on his face of of um, of killing a, a bull that nice. Um, it's just one of those things. I mean, he's not a kid anymore. He's darn near an adult, but I mean, he's still a youth and he's still successful in the field. And I mean, I, I can't think of something that I like more is, is just to get kids out there and really enjoying and, and, and consuming the outdoor lifestyle. And he's going to remember that for the rest of his life. Yep. That's right. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was exciting to watch him put that move on that elk, you know, go stalking it through the trees like that. It was, uh, (laughs) thanks. I, I have to admit, I was a little bit jealous. (laughs) <laughs> yeah no i get that but yeah i just went live on that on facebook today and it's had a lot of really good uh a lot of good exposure and a lot of good uh comments on it and everything but you know it's just this is our next generation you know uh getting them involved and in getting them connected and getting them because my son you know i took him bass fishing or actually we were just going to, to uh bluegill fishing for uh, one of the local parks we go to here and um and we we ended up feeding the ducks you know we just ended up hanging out and we caught one bass little one and uh it wasn't really the fish were still deep because it's still cold um but they uh you know we were just doing some shore fishing and i mean it's just all about getting them out there you know and you guys know that so yeah you gotta be willing to be adaptable right that's yeah, a good I, way to I put it little one. right i got another one for y'all off of uh tpwd's website since sure. we're on the topic of yeah. kids now um they offer a mentored hunting workshop and I'll just read a little excerpt here is um, select state parks and wildlife management areas will be conducting uh, mentored hunting workshops designed to introduce and educate beginning hunters and their mentors into the hunting experience. Oh, that's good. That's real yes, good. Sir. I love that kind of stuff that our, that our state puts on like that. It's kind of like uh, this week that the show is going to go live. Um, I've got an article coming out about the shad laws. I don't know if you all are familiar with this, um, but Texas Parks and Wildlife last April changed their laws on how to transport shad to stop the spread of zebra mussels. 
Um, I wrote that article in an effort to educate our audience at fishgame.com and Texas Fishing Game just because a lot of guys that don't understand the rules, and you guys know this about public land hunting, if you don't stay up on the rules and don't really know what they are and are confused by it, you just shrug it off and do what you've always done, you know? <laughs> and, um, yeah. you know, their yeah. ignorance of the law is no excuse, as they say. So I always say it's good to be prudent and it's good to do your homework like, like we've kind of been the theme of the show. Yeah, one of those shad laws, Trevor actually made a joke because I have a big 256-quart igloo cooler. He's like, hey, one of these times when we go fishing, make sure you don't put your shad in there with your catfish. <laughs> That's right. That's a big no-no now. You're going to need a permit to do that. You need a $60 yep. permit to do that now. So that's the one difference. But, yeah. <laughs> And, uh, no, I just kind of thought I brought that up because it made me think about public land. You know, you've really got to be in the know of what you're doing to make sure you're following the law. And I wanted to definitely bring that up. So (laughs) that's funny. Yeah. We actually, we actually just posted up today, um, when TPWD released the 2018, 2019, uh, um, you know, their, uh, proposed regulations. Mm -hmm. And right now you're, they're allowing everybody to come in and make comments and you know so they'll take all into that all of that into account right and possibly make edits from just the general public commenting on it and you know that that's that's a great thing to have it's a great like form to have right yeah. on, absolutely absolutely and i think that's really cool whether or not they use it it's just it's super cool and you get a little sneak peek into what's to come in the next season well it's kind of like yeah and it definitely yeah. gives you a, a chance go ahead i'm sorry Go ahead, Justin. No, you go okay, ahead. Well, yeah, like I said, it definitely gives you, yeah, it gives you a a voice. You know, it lets your voice be heard. Right. You know, you know, it will be considered. You know, and it will be heard. You know, whenever you in the public comment period, whenever you put it out there. Um, mm-hmm. You know, that's the way that they. Uh, you know, they're looking at modifying possibly the East Texas hunting season to have it coincide. You know, to make one deer season all across the right. a statewide and, season right you know because i know that's been a i know that's been a contentious point for years over in east texas the fact that them boys down in south texas get to hunt for an extra two weeks right right and that's not fair to the to the guys in east texas i was also going to say one of the things that i think they're considering this year statewide is uh air guns for deer for native for native game uh, not just for exotics and hogs and I don't know if you two have watched my hog hunting video I've done at DB Hunting Ranch with the um, with the Air Force Texan, but that's a 45 caliber air air rifle, and I dropped a hog like a sack of potatoes. Um, you know, it was a neck shot and everything, and it was a good shot. But I mean, the thing is, I mean, that's a more than ample weapon for harvesting deer. You know, it's just that you there's ignorance and people don't understand that air guns have come a long way. And um, and I'm excited to see something like that pass in the future. There are other a lot of other states have done that with air guns. Have seen how PCP air guns work and how powerful they are. And that's the kind of thing I'm kind of excited about right now. I'm trying yes, to steer that clear was, uh, of that because I'm going to spend all of my money if I get too invested in any of that. <laughs> all your money's gone, yeah. right? <laughs> yep. yep. Uh, I can't have another obsession right now. I got too many already. Yeah. Yeah. They also uh, they're also looking at legalizing airbows too. During yes. The, uh, yes. Right. That's the other thing I was going to bring up. I'm glad you said that. Um, those, the, the couple of concept ones are super super cool, man. The videos on those are awesome right and the pioneer uh crossman has a pot the benjamin pioneer airbow um that runs out at i think 450 feet per second which is faster than any crossbows ever been it's well over 400 i know that it's at least four and a quarter or 450 but um it'll sink through there i mean the drop's going to be a lot less um you know 
And that's the thing that I, I'm kind of excited about is is that's an ample weapon too. Jim Shockey's killed a buffalo, and there's other guys that have killed buffalo and other large game with them to show that they can be ample, you know, hunting weapons, ample um, harvesting tools that we use in hunting. And um, I'm just kind of excited about where all this is going because the technology is continuing to improve, and we as the consumer and media guys like me, you know, get to have all the fun with with you know with with doing this kind of stuff in the outdoors. You know, it just continues to get better and better is my point yeah absolutely so, yeah that's definitely the way the outdoor industry seems like it's going is that the, the products just seem to improve leaps and bounds every you know three to five years it seems like it's taken you know not just a small step forward you know it's taken a big leap forward right you know we've gone with you know all the technical type you know you know clothing systems and camo systems now you know that'll cover you all the way from early season you know till you know to a alpine you know goat hunt right you know it's all a a system that builds in and it's just you know amazing you know that stuff was mountaineering clothing a few years ago and now you know you can buy it you know in (laughs) in camo (laughs) that's true that's very true i think a lot of the people there really they can really understand the conservation side of right people start talking about yeah hunting fuels the conservation you know how much of your license goes to the conservation I think I think people can really get behind that, and it's an honest way of really showing people that we have the best interests at heart. Right. Exactly. No, that's solid. And I mean, that's that's the whole thing that hunters get a lot of flack for is, oh, you're killing poor innocent animals and defenseless animals. They're not defenseless, man. They've got better hearing, better eyesight, you know, better mm-hmm. better noses, you know, especially hogs. Uh, I had Rex Holmes on this show back around Christmas, and he said that, I don't know if this where he got this from, but he said, you know, one of those mints you get from Sonic, the little peppermints. He said that a feral hog could smell one seven feet deep underground. Well, and, I've been burying <laughs> soured corn for the past two weeks now, <laughs> and I uh, I think after listening to that podcast, I've been I've been doing the the classic Kool Aid corn right, water, right, 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 and yep. letting it rot in the five gallon bucket. And <laughs> where I'm hunting public, I gotta I gotta hike that five gallon bucket on my back. Yep. So I've been taking it in. It. I I dug the hole, dumped it in, buried it, covered it up, packed it on there, and I came. You know, that was two weekends ago when we were out squirrel hunting. Came back two days ago, the next week, seven days later, they ate 40 pounds of corn. Golly. And not left one kernel left, man. And I got, I took pictures of, you know, when I first placed the corn in there, then the empty hole I came back to, then I put more corn in, took another picture. So I'm going to try and get out there about four days from, uh, from when I put it out sure. and see what they do in four days. Yeah. See if you can get a stock up on one or, or stand hunt it. And I just, I love this stuff. I mean, because you just think about, you know, you put food in your freezer every year. You know, I just, we're doing fish tomorrow. I think uh, I've got some catfish fillets that I've got and just all the stuff that we do in the outdoors, you know, it's, it's the thing that you guys have helped me remember is it's time to grill and chill sometimes, you know, it's not all about just going, 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 getting, getting, getting. And, uh, it's, it's, it's time to enjoy, you know, a lot of the, the fruits of our labor, you know, that I forget sometimes cause I get so involved in all the different, you know, um, uh, technicalities of it, of it all. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, we get guilty yeah. of it as well. <laughs> Go ahead, Jeremy. Yeah, but but definitely, like one of the highlights of it is, you know, when you go out to your freezer and you pull out, you know, that back strap or that fish or right. you know whatever it is, and like like I've got some uh, some redfish that I 
blade on the half shield that I'm going to pull out here in a oh, day I or two. I love that. And throw on the grill. Yep. I'll do them with uh, butter, lemon wedges, and Tony Sacheries and just take them and put them on a high heat grill till it <sighs> flakes and then pull, pull them off. That sounds so good. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> it's dinner time around yeah. here, guys. <laughs> yeah. That's right. But, um, but yeah, I mean, but I guarantee you when I pull that fish out and I'm sitting there on my back porch watching that grill, I'm going to think back to that casting blast where I sure. sit down there on the coast and I'm going to remember those, that group of pintails that just worked in, you know, just absolutely perfectly. And I pulled up and shot my pintail and my buddy pulled up and he didn't shoot and then he shot. And he missed, and I was like, why did you wait so long to shoot? He's like, I pulled up on a hen. <laughs> That's great. No, it's awesome. Um, but you guys have been awesome guests, and I just want to thank you guys again for being on the show. Um, just give us the basics on what we've talked about as far as um, – you know, what you need to look for in public land, what you need to do to do your homework. Just kind of give us a rundown of everything before we close this one out. Yeah, All right, well, to start with uh, on hunting public land is, you know, make sure you get your APH. You know, make sure you do your research, check your regulations, you know, and have a plan going in, but be adaptable. Um, sure. You know, there's lots of good tools out there. You know, there's Google Maps. Uh, there's Google Earth where you can click back in time to different seasons so you can see the different vegetation. It may have changed dramatically, but it may be, you know, similar enough to get you started, you know, and always make sure you do your scouting first. Um, and, you know, don't be afraid to put in the extra effort whenever you're hunting public. You know, going the extra effort, you know, will get you back where most people aren't willing to go. Right. And that's the one thing that I've learned, you know, to both of y'all's points um, that Michael Foster has taught me about hunting in Granger because he hunts Granger quite a bit and that WMA. And he basically says that, you know, the front of the entrance of one of the areas is, is full of trash. And he said, people just don't respect the land. And I said, well, you do. And that makes a difference. And he said, the other thing is that I don't want my stuff to get stolen, so I'm going to go hike way back in the woods, you know, where it can't be seen as easily and can't be in major traffic beds and stuff like that of people passing through there. That's what you guys are saying too, right? Well, Dustin, I, I had a camera on that piece of property three miles from the access point, uh -huh. and it got stolen. Oh, wow. So, three miles in too. Yeah, wow. yeah. Three miles in, man, um, you know, scouting for hogs, just, just doing my thing, and it, it got stolen. Um, a lot of stuff, my stuff got moved, and, yeah, yeah, it was just, uh, it was a bad day, but, you know, you can never be too safe out there. I right. just hung a new camera at a different property, and that sucker's 12 foot up in a tree looking down <laughs> at the trail. Honestly. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir. Should be easily found that way. Yeah, no, that's good. Mm -hmm. But that's the one thing is just obviously to respect yeah, public land too. Yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. That's one thing that we always do is we always, you know, try to pack out more trash than we brought in, you know, because that public land is not just used by hunters and fishermen. You know, a lot of those WMAs have hiking trails and right. stuff like that. And, uh, and unfortunately, you know, with, the fact that you know a lot of our law enforcement is spread so thin like like you were bringing up granger like that's just you know one of our favorite spots you know mid-season you know to go dove hunting is out there on that property sure but um you know one of the places where we go people use the the parking lot down there as a trash dump you'll yep. go down there and you'll find you know couches and all kinds of different stuff but you know we always try to you know bring a couple of, you know empty walmart sacks and just fill them up on the way in you know and that's you know, kind of our our motto is to you know 
leave it better than we found. Right. I think that's great. I'm so glad y'all said that too, because that needs to be reminded to our young hunters, especially that, you know, if you leave places better than you found it, you're leaving it for the generation after you, you're leaving it for the hunters that come after you, you're leaving it for the wildlife that comes after you and everything. So what else do you guys want to talk about? What else have we not covered so far? Cause y'all done a great job on, on this podcast for sure. I think we've, we've, we've covered quite a bit. Sure. And, you know, we keep talking about going further and doing more. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's not a bad thing that makes me a better hunter. Sure. You know, it makes me put in the effort more, you know, so much more effort. I get to see more wildlife. Right. I get to interact with more things. I get to spend more time in the woods than the other guys that hunt right in the gate. Yep. That's good. You I know, mean, that's solid. That's super valued to me. Because that's really what hunting is all about is is going deeper, doing, you know, and that's in this book that I'm writing right now, this ebook, you know, I'm basically talking about people that want to be successful in this industry. You've got to go harder than the other guys that just do this for fun, you know. Um, if you've got a podcast, you want to get it out there in more places, if you got, you know, that kind of stuff. So, um, you know, I really honor you guys for what y'all do on your show. I want to thank you. Maybe one day I can hopefully be a guest on your show too. That would be great. Absolutely. But, um, you know, we'd love to have you on, Dustin. No, I appreciate that very much. And you guys typically do a Skype call, and I know I typically do phone. But um, the the main thing I wanted to bring home is y'all have your own Facebook group and y'all on Facebook page, right? Is that true? Or is it just a group? It's both. No, it's a page. Correct. A page. Yeah. Okay, cool. Good deal. So, Cast Blast Grill Chill um, podcast. Find it on iTunes. You can also find it um, through Facebook and subscribe to it through. Um, you know, through different places like that, right? Yes, sir. Nice. It's on all of the major platforms for wherever you find your podcast. Same deal at. as this um, one, yeah. Same deal, yeah. So Stitcher, and iTunes, it's also, all that stuff. Yeah, Stitcher, iTunes, Google Play, and it's also, uh, we do the same thing as you. We simulcast it on uh, YouTube as well. Right. Uh, sometimes you get to see me and Trevor uh, talking on Skype. Other times it'll just be, you know, just uh, just a logo. The logo, yeah, that's like depends on how well the um, but I want to thank you guys so much again for, uh, for joining us and, uh, and, uh, we'll definitely check out your show as well. <laughs> Thanks, Dustin. All right. Thank you. Thank you, Dustin. Really appreciate it. And there they go. Mr. Trevor Bryan and Jeremy Beeston from the Cast Blast Grill Chill podcast. Love these guys. Uh, plan to be on their show one of these days soon and uh, plan to have them back on one of these days soon as well because they're just a wealth of knowledge, especially around public land stuff because they go hard in the paint. They don't quit. Uh, they keep on going uh, you know, through the challenges, through the, uh, through the rough patches, no matter what, they persevere. This thing I've always liked about them. They've never talked down about public land hunting like a lot of hunters I talk to do. And uh, just really great information there in that show, too, in this show, to, um, to share with you on, on how to uh, get out there and make things happen in the outdoors. Now, I also wanted to mention that I've not talked a lot about public land hunting, but what I always want to do in this show is make the outdoors more accessible to everybody, and public land does that. You just have to go a little bit harder and deeper into the woods to find your own little niche in there that you're not, you know, being crowded on by other hunters. And I think that's what they showed on this podcast very well is uh, is it can be done successfully as long as you are smart about what you do and you're planning and you're scouting and, and so on and so forth and, uh, and what you do. So whether you hunt with a crossbow, a rifle, a muzzleloader, a shotgun, uh, small game, big game, uh, hogs, 
there is certainly a lot to consider in the regards of uh, tanking hunting property that's publicly owned or publicly leased uh, for the public and um, and is is, uh, is is set aside for hunters and uh, being safe out there, being um, careful, uh, always wearing your hunter orange, which is a mandatory thing on Texas public lands. And um, I just love the fact that these guys are taking the bull by the horns when it comes to uh, going through the challenges and that kind of stuff that comes that comes sometimes from hunting public land and really going forth and, uh, and, and being successful at it. And that's the one thing I really think that, um, that they have a lot of good, um, a lot of good concepts around on their podcast. So definitely check out the cast blast grill chill podcast. Please also subscribe or stream our podcast. You can find it on YouTube, Podbean, um, as well as your, um, fishgame.com. And, uh, please subscribe if you've not done so already to our show, as well as to the cast blast grill chill podcast. And, um, also wanted to mention to subscribe to our newsletters we have the tactical and practical tuesday wildlife wednesday and the thursday texas state of the outdoor nation these have kind of national stories on them um and 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 really good things to help you with the outdoors the national news of texas as we call it a texas fishing game and there's a lot to be done um, to uh, to check out, a lot to learn about wildlife biology, um, guns, uh, hunting, fishing, saltwater, freshwater strategies, all that stuff is in those newsletters. And that all links back to the stories at fishgame.com. We also have some great sponsors and advertisers. This past week, before this show released, we had Capital Farm Credit, and we wanted to give a big thank you to them for advertising with us in the newsletter as well as in the magazine. And uh, lots, lots, lots of fun. So I'm so excited that you've taken the opportunity to download the show, stream it online, however you're listening. Thank you so much for doing so. Thank you for watching, reading, and listening. And have an awesome day in the outdoors. We'll see you next time. Mm -hmm.